0: Hello, I'm Daryl Root, and this is Camp Ridgers, the Dakota Rustler Show. How is everybody doing today? Hopefully you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. And for those of you who had to work, I thank you for your time just for the record I am recording this using new software and a new computer operating system so I apologize for any glitches in advance today's topics include transgender chess yes you heard that correctly pasta prices failed offshore wind leases and more but first Don't forget to follow my Facebook page, subscribe to whatever format you listen to this podcast on, and visit dakotarustler.org and click on the Buy Me A Coffee link. It's a one-time $3 donation via PayPal, which takes all major credit cards. You do not need an account with PayPal. With that said, saddle up and give a listen. News story number one. Rugby, swimming, track and field. Transgender women have been banned from international women's events in a growing number of sports, which is good. It discriminates against natural women, who more often than not are genetically weaker in a physical sense. The latest ban, however, makes absolutely zero sense. What is it? Chess. You heard that right. Chess. The International Chess Federation will effectively stop allowing transgender women from participating in women's competitions until, quote unquote, further analysis can be made, which could take up to two years. Now, I may be wrong, but isn't chess a mental game? What does one's physical ability have to do with the ability to play chess? The organization will also remove some titles won by players who won in women's categories and later transitioned to male. It will also remove some titles won by transgender men. The new policies were scheduled to go into effect a couple of weeks ago. I have not been able to verify whether it has done so or not. Quote, the Chess Federation recognizes that this is an evolving issue for chess and that besides technical regulations on transgender regulations, further policy may need to be evolved in the future in line with research evidence, unquote, the Federation wrote in a statement. Can there be any more Neanderthal-like type of thinking? On the other hand, to their credit, several chess federations have come out against the new changes, including the U.S. and Germany, but unfortunately in the case of Germany for the wrong reasons. The German Federation stated, quote, if a person is legally recognized as a woman, it is incomprehensible to us that FIDE still wants to check and why it needs two years for this, unquote. Under new guidelines, transgender people will still be allowed to compete in the open section of tournaments, where men and women typically compete against one another. My question is this, why aren't all chess tournaments declared to be open? Again, mental smarts are not sex-oriented. The National Center for Transgender Equality said the new guidelines were insulting to all women and the game itself. It assumes that natural women couldn't be competitive against natural men and relies on ignorant anti-trans ideas, and I've got to say amen to that. Similarly, Chess stirs across the world have spoken out against FIDE's new policies, saying they will bring unnecessary harm to transgender competitors. Quote, the new regulations will make trans chess players all over the world face a horrible dilemma, transition or quit chess, unquote, professional chess player Yosha Iglesias wrote on X. Number two. The Environmental Protection Agency removed federal protections for a majority of the country's wetlands to comply with a recent U.S. Supreme Court ruling. In the case of Sackett v. EPA, the ruling narrowed the scope of the Clean Water Act and the agency's power to regulate waterways and wetlands. In a previous case in 2006, the Supreme Court decision determined that wetlands would be protected if they had a significant nexus to major waterways. The APA's new rule removes the significant nexus test from consideration when identifying tributaries and other waters as federally protected. Significant nexus. Could that possibly be any more debatable? Significant has as many meanings as there are people to define it. That phrase should be gone. So just what is the new rule? Justice Samuel Alito stated the new law includes only streams, oceans, rivers, and lakes, and wetlands with a continuous surface connection to those bodies, which is how they should be described. Prior to this new ruling, any place that flooded, even if only for a few months out of the year, was considered to be a wetland. So 9, 10, or even 11 months of dry land could be considered to be a wetland falling under protection. That's just insane and now it's gone. Thank you. However, if you are one of those water wackos, have some faith. As a result of the rule change, protections for many waterways and wetlands will now fall to the states, just like abortion did. So if you live in a green wacko state, things may not be changing at all. According to an environmental group, America Rivers, Quote, while the administration's rule attempts to protect clean water and wetlands, it is severely limited in its ability to do so as a result of the Supreme Court ruling, which slashed federal protections for thousands of miles of small streams and wetlands, unquote. This means communities across the U.S. are now more vulnerable to pollution and flooding. And that's where I should have put the unquote at. I apologize. Uh, That's simply not the case. It simply redefines wetlands. It doesn't redefine pollution. It simply allows lands that are only wet for short periods of time to be developed, which will have little effect on flooding, though it could have some, but only if states allow it. The National Wildlife Federation states, quote, This rule spells out how the Sackett decision has undermined our ability to prevent the destruction of our nation's wetlands, which protect drinking water, unquote. No, it doesn't. With few exceptions, people aren't getting their drinking water from a plot of land that is only wet for one or two months. So There. Wetlands have been redefined, they needed to be. Number three story out of Canada. Pasta lovers may have to pay higher prices for their favorite dish, as a drought in Canada has damaged crops of durum wheat and reduced supplies available to flour millers and food companies. The United States is also expected to have a harvest that is smaller due to dryness. Drought has also cut production in Spain, and severe weather has produced mixed quality in Italy and France. In Italy, prices for the staple food jumped by more than double the national inflation rate. In Toronto, continental noodles knew there was trouble when the cost of a 20-kilogram bag of semolina flour which is milled from Durham, rose 24% during a few weeks of July. Family-owned Continental, which sells fettuccine and ravioli to Whole Foods and to the general public, is also paying more for tomatoes used in sauce after crop setbacks in Spain and India. Retail pasta prices rose about 12% this year in Europe and 8% in the United States. So the question is this. Should you stock up now since pasta lasts for a long time? The answer is maybe. Canadian farmer Daryl Niwa's break-even durum level is 32 to 35 bushels per acre. But he is only harvesting 10 to 11 bushels bushels per acre this year so he's losing money on it canada counts for around half of the global trade in durham but this year's harvest looks to be the country's second smallest harvest in 12 years on the other hand turkey has emerged as a surprise durham exporter exporting 300 thousand metric tons so far this year with most of it bound for italy traders said turkey is tapping a bumper harvest and high stocks to reverse its usual role as an importer its exports are widely expected to reach half a million tons and possibly even one million depending on government export approvals turkish exports have cooled the mediterranean north american durham prices But they should resume their climb when Turkey runs out in another month or two. So, if you plan on stocking up on pasta, now is the time to do so. Sometime between now and the next two months. Odds are there will not be a shortage, but only if rising prices suppress demand. With that, it's time to take a break. I'll be back in about 40 seconds. Hello, and welcome back to the Dakota Rustler Show. I just want to do my usual shout-outs to Dan Heim and to Vinnie Camilleri, who provide the background music for the show, and to Arabelle Kimmick, who does the voiceovers. With well, that, let's move on with the last two stories. Number four. This is from The Guardian the Biden administration last week held the first ever auction for the right to develop offshore wind in the Gulf of Mexico. Just how many leases were available and how many bidders were there? The answers: three leases, two bidders. That's it. Total. You know, maybe if you're auctioning off more leases you would have had more bidders bidders don't show up if there isn't much to bid on it's a waste of their time the bureau of ocean energy management held auctions on one lease area off the coast of Lake Charles, Louisiana and two others off the coast of Galveston, Texas, which together had the capacity to power almost 1.3 million homes. Last month officials said the sale would show that the Gulf, currently the nation's primary source of offshore oil and gas, can become a key player in a new green economy. But the result was pathetic, with neither of the two lease areas off the Texas coast receiving bids. The German developer RWE was provisionally awarded the third area off Louisiana, beating out just one other bidder. Ha! what can I say? So much for your crazy idea of net zero carbon, President Alzheimer's. Green extremists are morons. So what did the administration blame the lack of bidding on? First, gulf wind speeds are often lower than other coastal areas requiring the use of specific turbines. Second, no gulf state's energy policies specifically require the use of offshore wind. Third, supposed inadequate safeguards to ensure that communities most harmed by the end of fossil fuel industry would benefit and lastly analysts say building out offshore wind in the gulf will be more expensive than elsewhere so if they know all of this why do they even bother putting bids out you know two words stinking thinking However, one green wacko, Kendall Dix from Taproot Earth, said to sail was an indication that offshore wind development should not be left to market forces. There's a communist for you. Maybe there wasn't an immediate profit to be made, he said, but offshore wind is a critical piece of energy transition, so we're probably going to need the public sector, the government, to take a role in building it out instead of private companies. Unquote. In other words, communist welfare, we take your money and do what we want type of crap. Wasteful subsidies. One word for you. No. Even the fact that Texas is notoriously unregulated and is the only U.S. state that does not require workmen's comp for on-job injuries didn't bring in the bidders. The article then went on to blame fossil fuel companies for holding things up. It also downplayed the fact that all this green energy stuff needs subsidies in order to survive because real market conditions such as supply and demand simply won't make it happen. Number five. Supposedly, hundreds of thousands of people have been trafficked and forced to work for online scamming operations in Southeast Asia run by criminal gangs, according to a UN report. Billions of dollars are being generated each year by gangs who coerce victims into cybercrime where they are subject to threats, torture and sometimes sexual violence. Myanmar and Cambodia, as well as Laos, the Philippines, and Thailand are countries affected. So, how did all of this get started? The report said many of the victims were migrants who lost their jobs during the pandemic. Imagine that! And were unable to move because of lockdowns. Imagine that! It also said the phenomenon had grown since the COVID pandemic when casinos were closed and the criminal gangs operating them moved into less regulated spaces such as cryptocurrency fraud and illegal gambling. Many of those involved are skilled and multilingual, lured by the promise of jobs and programming, but they ended up in guarded compounds with their passports and phones seized. The U.N. High Commissioner for Human Rights, Volker Turk, said countries trying to crack down on scamming operations should remember that people working in them are victims rather than criminals who endure inhumane treatment while being forced to carry out crimes. So once again, no one is responsible for their own actions. Everyone is a victim. If one is smart enough to be skilled and multilingual, one should also be smart enough not to be scanned. I say it constantly. Technology is making us dumber, not smarter. While many of the victims were from Southeast Asia, there are also many people from other parts of Asia, Africa, and Latin America who were involved in such operations. The think tank, International Crisis Group, recently warned that the border of Myanmar and Laos was becoming a hub for transnational crime, including scamming operations, money laundering, and drug production. My question is this, how do people fall for these scams? If you saw 60 Minutes the other week, they reported on scams upon the elderly. Not the ones with dementia or other mental issues, but everyday old people who supposedly still had their wits about them. I'm blown away every time I see a scam story. Hello, I'm your grandchild. I hit another car while I was driving, but I don't want my parents to know. I need 9,000 for bail and I need it in gift cards. How does anyone fall for that BS? In my opinion, you deserve to lose your money. Does no one bother to think anymore? Apparently not. With that, I'm going to call it another podcast. A special note before I sign off here, though. I plan on taking the next two weeks off for personal time. However, who knows? Maybe I'll sneak in a little bit here and there and do something anyway. We'll see. You know, Time will tell. With that... You know the mantra, question authority, and always be free. Thank you for listening to the Dakota Rustler Show, a production of DL Root, Buzzsprout.com, and their affiliates. Any unauthorized use of this show is prohibited. Until next time, have a great day, and don't forget to subscribe.